Welcome, week four of the year-round disc golf podcast. Justin and I were just getting ready, and he says we are in full send mode uh, to get send. started. Uh, he's coming off a weekend where he's playing with his buddies and said he ran every single putt he looked at. So maybe that's the mood that Justin's in currently. Yeah, I definitely ran. I run everything. I lay up like maybe once in a year. So I've already laid up this year, so no more laying up. Full send. It, it's over we're sending everything let's jump right into some content we have a cool interview with jordan castro uh, a guy that's been on tour for the last few years currently 1019 rated uh out of minnesota i believe but is currently in phoenix so we'll get to that a little later in the podcast first thing i want to hit on is how to practice how to get better what's it look like we've done a lot of talking um, the last few weeks about tournaments and about tournament preparation and about mental game and that kind of stuff. But when you go out during the week and you're playing disc golf, are you doing it with the intent to get better for one and then how for two? So what does that look like for you? I definitely try and, and focus on areas that I need to improve on. And when I go to a course to practice, I don't just throw – the same line I throw every single time. Sometimes I'll throw maybe a line that's challenging that I need to work on or just something to kind of differ from the normal shot. But another thing people really need to think about is when you're playing a course and you know, you have a tournament coming up and you're practicing, don't always just play your best shot. You know, if you throw one into the rough and it's a common place to throw to, Instead of just going and picking it up and playing one of the other four drives you throw, you should definitely throw your worst shot. Just that way you have experience on getting out of a situation and, you know, you might learn a new trick or two just practicing from a bad spot. Do you play more by yourself? Do you play more with people? What does a normal, like, Tuesday evening practice round look like for you during the spring and the summer when you have a little bit of time to get out after work? I'll definitely try and meet up with someone. I I like to play cash rounds. I don't play anything major, but I think having something on the line, if, if you just have a putt where it doesn't mean anything if you make it or miss it, to me, that's not making me better. So to even have 5 or $10 on the round and having a putt mean something, that rep alone to me is worth the 5 or $10 if I win or lose. But... I do practice alone quite a bit. It's just a happy balance if I can meet up with someone. But if I'm by myself, it's more of like a like a traditional ball golf. I'm at the driving range and I need to practice, you know, my putters, my mids, my drivers, forehands, backhands, different lines. So it's kind of it just depends on if I can get someone in to play 10 bucks with me. So not a lot of people like to do that, but I try. I think I come from the background of I almost exclusively practice by myself. And some of that's my work schedule and I play in the mornings and a lot of people would rather play kind of in the afternoons or the evenings when they get off. But I think a huge part of my development has been the ability to go to the course by myself in the mornings and do what I want to do practice-wise for the day. It's a big thing that I think a lot of players would benefit from is 
taking it from being a hobby and when you start taking it serious you start practicing but i don't really enjoy just standing in a field open field and throwing shot after shot i get my best practice when i'm at a course by myself and i honestly love being there at 8 30 or 9 in the morning when the courses are pretty empty and i can go out and if i want to only play nine holes and i want to throw five drives on each hole i can do that if i want to play 18 holes and get a full round in i can do that it just depends on how much time i have but it's something that it's allowed me to work on different aspects of my game without interfering with the practice round or the fun or whatever that whoever's playing with me is going to have. So I don't have a negative impact on anyone else if I'm sitting there throwing 10 or 15 putts on a hole because I missed my first one or just because I want to practice. So that's, that's kind of my tip is don't be afraid to go to the course by yourself, wherever that may be. Even if it's just a little nine hole course, get out there and get your reps in alone. That way, when you do go out to play with your friends and like you were talking about, Justin, you're saying that those $10 rounds help you to grind stuff out. I have a lot of internal motivation, I would say, and it makes me just as mad when I miss a putt if I'm playing by myself and there's nothing on the line as it does if I miss one when I'm playing for 10 bucks with buddies. It's almost more relaxed for me when I go out there with anybody. It is nice when you have somebody who's equally motivated as you to practice with you. I feel like, like you're saying, when you go by yourself, you get your best practice in because you might meet up with a group of guys during the week and, you know, it's easy just to be social and not care about your throw or what your next throw is or if you have, if you make your putt or not. But practicing by yourself definitely gets you I mean, you're locked in. Like, there's no distractions. If you're at the course at 8 in the morning by yourself, like you said, you could practice all the shots you want, and no one's going to be standing on the tee pad behind you wondering what the hell you're doing and why aren't you finished yet. Are you, when you're playing by yourself, are you a music guy? Do you put your headphones in and just kind of space out? Or what does that look like for you? I'm definitely rocking out 100% when I'm by myself. Sometimes even when I'm playing with people, I'll I'll throw music in while I'm throwing just to kind of keep it similar to when I practice. And you, you listen to music during tournaments at times too, and that's something that I don't do as well. I just I find myself getting more distracted by the music than whatever's going on around me. It is nice to have something that can uh, either fire you up or kind of calm you down or just, you know, I guess you can put on chase music and get crazy if you want to, but, uh, definitely something that I need something to calm me down. If I put on, if I put on some crazy rap music in the middle of a round, I might just start throwing really hard and not, not be in the right mindset. Uh, it's been terrible outside these last couple of weeks. We got a really nice day, got lucky in Festivus, which was a non-sanction event that I played, um, at a dare this weekend that was it was really nice out that day it was almost 60 we got some sun and then sunday morning was kind of nice too got a little bit of good time but we've had inches of rain in this last week and it's been really tough to get outside i know bryant park right next to my house is flooded to the point where it's not playable right now um and i haven't i haven't even went out this week because it's been so nasty but indoor putting that's basically all you can do indoors how often do you do it is there tips for not getting bored while you're practice putting? What are things that work for you? I practice putt every day inside. I know right now 
I only have 25 feet as a maximum distance. But if I can make every 25 footer that I face on the course after practicing inside, that's a huge win. So even if you can't stretch it out to 35, 40, at least get as many reps in as possible while it's raining outside. How many putters do you use? What does it look like? That is a good point. There are, you can have too many putters. When I'm, when I'm practice putting with a bunch of people, I don't like it when someone has more than three. I mean, even sometimes two, but even when you're practicing by yourself, having more than five is kind of awkward because it's, you know, kind of, throwing off your balance and you kind of get into repetitions where you're just rapid firing. So I like to have four and that way I can, you know, stay balanced and control my practice shots. I I don't want to go out there and try and get as many reps in as possible and have 20% of my reps be sloppy when I can focus with just four and make sure that I have like the perfect rhythm down and execute a good putt. One of the things that you just said sticks out to me. You said 25 feet. That's kind of a distance where if you're playing at an advanced level or a pro level, you got to make all your 25 footers. You start to push it out to 30 and then you start to not make every putt. But I would agree that 25 is a pretty good distance to throw at least a a hefty portion of your putts from. In practice, regardless of if you're going to carry two putters or four putters when you practice putt or anything like that, 25 feet is an important distance in disc golf because those are the ones you have to have. Yeah, when you stop fearing 20-footers, you'll make more 40-footers. You don't have to worry about the comebacker, right? And I think that's something that you see is you're, I don't get enough spin on my putt from 40 to have 20-footers coming back a lot of times, and you're kind of in that same boat with me. But yeah, the better you are from 20, the easier 40 footers become because you're not worried about having to make the comeback putt. Yeah, I feel like you and I have a similar putt and I've I've coined my putt as the Peyton Manning. Sometimes it's it's kind of wobbly, but it's on point. But it uh it doesn't really I don't have a lot of comebackers like you said, but even though when I'm more confident at that 20 to 25 foot range, you you step up to a forty footer, and you're not you're not as worried about what's going to happen after you miss. You're more concerned about all right, let's make this putt and move on to the next hole. I do a lot of indoor practice putting, and I have the advantage of if I want to go into work a little early or stay a little late, I have the facility, so to say, to actually sit there and practice putt. If I want to go in early, I've got a really sweet indoor soccer field that I'm just very lucky to have use of. If I want to sit there and throw putters back and forth i think it's about probably 35 or 40 yards long um so i can aim for the goals or whatever i want to do but i do way more putting there than i do throwing and i don't have to necessarily take it into the soccer field i kind of want repetition with a lot of putters and as long as they're all the same mold i putt with p2s i putt it with p2s for the last few years so i have quite a stack of them that are sitting at work and i don't mind having 10 or 15 putters sitting there and throwing a lot of 30 footers. Now my distance, that comfort distance is 30 feet. Those are the ones that I want to grind out. Those are the ones that I want to practice. I set the basket up in my house the other day, which I'm sure Kaylee loves, but she hasn't said anything yet about it. I put a towel up behind it or a blanket up behind it. I mean, and it's going like from my living room to my kitchen and I was throwing 30 footers and I threw 200 of them the other day. And I told myself, 
usually I don't keep track of how many I throw, but I keep track of how many I make because I want that positive kind of mental picture. And I ended up getting to 200 makes anyway, but I kept track of how many. I made 182 out of 200. That was a huge number. I don't, you, I mean, there's no elements inside, right? The house mm-hmm. is temperature controlled. There's no wind. You're throwing the same putt over and over. So if you do get in that good rhythm, which I did early, I was making eight or nine or 10 out of every set of 10 putters that I had. And then I'd go back, get them, same spot, throw them again. So you can get in a rhythm like that. I don't think that's a bad thing. But at the same time, I always, at the end of a practice putting session, I have to make my whole last set of however many putters I'm throwing. So if if I'm at 30 feet and I want to be done the drill, it doesn't matter if my goal is to make 50 putts or 100 putts or whatever. If I have 10 putters, I have to make all 10 from whatever distance I'm at before I'll be done the drill. Seriously, that that is uh, impressive that you made that many out of 200. And you also are very conditioned and in great disc golf shape. I feel some people, if they try to make 200 putts from 30 feet, they're going to get so fatigued halfway through that their form is going to be so bad that after a while, if you're practicing terrible form, it's going to be, it's, it's bad to over practice, right? You can do it because that's just what you do. And that's why you're a top 10 player in the world. You're conditioned for that. But someone like me, I can feel my fatigue hitting it at like 150 putts and that's not 150 makes. Or maybe even 100 putts, depending on what I did that day. But once I feel like my form is, is sloppy, I I quit putting. I because, agree. It's, time, it's yeah. time to stop. When you feel yeah. fatigue set in on that and you aren't making putts, it's time to cut it. It's time yeah. to not, not put a mental block in your own mind. Same thing with throwing, too. If you feel like you're overthrowing or you can feel you're you're tweaking a muscle because you have bad form like just don't throw like there's no reason to yeah stop and that if disc golf throwing is hurting one you either need to take time off or two you need to go find your local pro and ask them hey what am i doing wrong because it shouldn't be hurting yeah and that's a good point if if people you are serious in getting better and you need to reach out to a local pro don't be shy like send me a message sense got a message I'm happy to give you a tip or meet up with you and throw some holes and just, you know, we're friendly people. You know, ask us for help. Yeah, for sure. Be understanding that we have lives and jobs and stuff too. And I can't meet you at one o'clock on a Thursday, but if the time does work out, if you can make time in your schedule, I know that I love doing clinics and that kind of stuff. I don't do lessons because I don't like charging people for lessons. So it's like a scheduling thing. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but I love doing clinics and I love working with groups of people all at one time. And there's never a time where if I, if I have the time that I'm not going to take five or 10 minutes out of my day to say, Hey, throw a few discs for me and let me look at what you're doing. And it's almost always the same mistake that people are making. And it's, it's a simple fix of like, Hey, let's reach straight back and let's stay like directly along your nipple line and throw straight through. And it usually fixes some of the issues. Now you hope that once you do that, they actually go and work on it but there's there's little tips that your pro your local pros will give you that can snap you out of a bad funk pretty quickly because we figured all those things out the hard way at some point yeah a lot of a lot of errors a lot of mental errors but don't be shy you know if, if their schedules work out i'll throw some holes with you and help you out as to the best of my ability sure let's let's move on um one of the things that we wanted to do is highlight some products here 
Um, we talked a little bit about like the flight towel thing and our bags and uh, discs man disc manufacturers and stuff. What's one thing that you feel, Justin, that people should have in their bag that's going to help their game? I think people need some form of grip. I like to use the whale sack. It dries my grip out, especially during the summer when I, it's really easy when it's hot outside and you're in the middle of a hunt for a good round or a tournament and your, your hands are sweaty, uh, having a whale sack or some other, uh, I mean, I've always used whale sacks. So I don't even know what other products are out there. So definitely check out whale sack, but having the perfect grip on your disc when you're trying to execute a, a throw is crucial. So, Definitely find some form of way of drying your hand out. For me, it's the whale sack, so check it out. You're a whale sack guy over dirt on the ground, I take it? Sometimes, I depending on what state you're in, you might not have good dirt. I know that's funny to say good dirt, but there's you know what exactly, you, you know what I'm saying. But if, you, if there isn't good dirt at the course you're playing and you I would say check out a whale sack. Even if they're, if it's rain outside, whale sacks are still good. So if dirt isn't available, whale sack all the way. I totally agree. I get super sweaty hands. They, it starts early, especially if I get nervous during a round. I have two bad habits. One, my hands sweat really bad. And two, I drink so much water if I'm coming down like this stretch to a tournament or something. So one of the best things that I saw with that, and I don't know, you may remember this. Oh, you didn't play. You didn't play Oregon State Championships this year. But when my buddy Ryan Robinson won it, uh, we had some bad weather the last couple rounds, and we knew that rain was coming um, later on Saturday. Ryan runs over Friday night, and I watched him do it. I think it was still dark out, and went and filled a sandwich bag up with dirt while it was dry. And he used that bag of dirt all weekend and because he had grip in the bad weather, he could get his hands dry. That was a big part in him being prepared and actually winning a state title. Yeah, and I've heard stories of Josh Anton taking some dirt from NorCal to tournaments on the East Coast. So it's, I mean, it's a great method if you can have that good dirt and be able to use it to your advantage. But anything to help dry your hand out and get a perfect grip is definitely recommended. When you're talking about consistency, so if you're carrying the whale sack, you know what you're going to get every time. Another tip, if you don't have access to get one of those that I've always liked, is if you go to a local bowling alley and get one of like the puffball rosin bags, that's been a big help for me over the years too. Moving on from your thought, one of the things that I feel like people don't carry enough, if you're playing a lot of longer courses, go out and invest in a rangefinder. For real. Who doesn't want to know how far away from a basket they are? I think it's a big thing. Yeah, if you're if you're 330 away from a hole and you think you're only 330 feet, excuse me, and you're only 300 feet away and are, you know, if you have your distances mixed up and you throw a mid-range when you should throw a fairway driver and next thing you know you have a 50-footer when you could have just easily thrown a fairway driver and be within the circle you're going to realize that a, a rangefinder is, is crucial. They're expensive. I get it. The one I have in my bag is about 100 bucks. It was just one I found on Amazon. Any of the golf ones work, honestly. I mean, they're made to hit golf pins and golf flags. Our disc golf baskets are a lot bigger than those. And they're going to be accurate within a few yards either way. 
It's something that is a bigger deal for me when I'm playing large courses and I use them on second shots for par fours a lot because you can know that the whole 720 feet and you can know, oh, I think I threw my drive 440 feet, but you'll have no clue. Or for me personally, if I'm standing in the middle of a field, I have no clue. My depth perception must be awful. I don't know if I'm 240 feet or 340 feet away. And that's a huge difference. And it's a stroke difference because if you guess wrong, I can be like, oh, I think I can get my rock there. I think I can get my star stud all the way there. And then I come up 80 short. It's like, why didn't I use that rangefinder? I promise over the long run, as long as you don't lose it, that rangefinder is going to pay you back that $100, whether it's in merchandise if you're playing AM, whether it's just in strokes and rating that gets you a little better, or it's cash if you're playing pro. I, I honestly don't know why more people don't carry him. And I'm guilty for not carrying mine. I have mine. My I, I use mine for bow hunting, and it works great on the course. I definitely bring it with me to Vegas because that's the perfect course to have one. But I should definitely take better advantage of mine. Yeah, I think that's just one of my little pro tips is I don't have a brand that's specific that you should pick up or whatever. But if you're really serious about playing disc golf and you're trying to play tournaments and you're trying to get better, go out and spend $100 on a rangefinder. I got mine on Amazon, like I said. I mean, there's a million options. You can get as fancy as you want with them. You can spend a few hundred dollars on really, really nice ones. But I don't see a whole lot of a point in that for what we're using it for. You talked about hunting with it. And obviously, you're when maybe not bow hunting, but if you're uh, rifle hunting, you're going to be looking at distances that are a lot more than 200 yards or 300 yards. And those things, whether it's a scope that's on your rifle or whether it's an aftermarket um, rangefinder, yeah, you need to spend a little bit more money and get a nice one. But for disc golf, anything that goes more than 200 yards, you don't need to know the distance of a 750-foot carry. If it's more than 250 yards, like why would you ever need to know? Yeah, but like you're saying, that 250-foot shot just being precise and knowing that you need to throw a 250 instead of 280 is, is going to make a difference on a, on probably a tournament if you mess it up. So it's definitely good to have in the bag. You mentioned Vegas. It's a big, big thing out there. There's a lot of par fours and that course is really flat. And I feel like the most important time for me to have a rangefinder out is when the land is flat and I can't really get any judge on depth perception. Yeah, and that and that course is definitely tricky too because the wind plays a big factor. So if you if you're off by thirty feet in your judgment and then you're thrown into a headwind, you could be in a world of hurt, like out of bounds and not even close to where you need to be. So it's it's good to know. The wind can play a very large factor out there. So we're there in three weeks. I'm pumped. I don't know about you. I was looking at the calendar. I was like, oh man, I fly out on the 17th. Like I really only have three weeks or three and a half weeks. And then we are out of here and we're going to go do something. Um, go spend a week with all our buddies in Vegas. Watch our one of our best buddies, Dallas, get whatever tattoo that I choose to put on him. We're still working on that. Uh, if you have wonderful ideas, maybe send me a little private message. My name's definitely going on him. Basically, don't lose bets. This is what we do. We're dumb guys. Um, I'm sure Dallas would love to tell you that story. Maybe I'll get him on the podcast sometime to tell the story about how that all went down at Battle at Bachelor last year. Um, But as we get ready for Vegas, we're going to play with some big guys, big names. If you go out there and do it right, who's your favorite pro to play with, Justin? And then 
if you're not playing with them, who's your favorite one to just watch? I've been fortunate enough to play with Eagle McMahon a couple times, and he's definitely my favorite pro to play with. He's, I mean, for one, he's a great guy, so he's really easy to talk to, but he just kind of blows you away with his Frisbee talent on the course. And it's, it's, it's inspiring, but it's really also kind of distracting because you can get, you know, so fed up on how far he just threw a seven speed when you're ripping a 12 speed, but he's just, he's so good that he's a lot of fun to play with. Who's your favorite watch? I like to play or watch Ricky play. I think I kind of molded my game around the same style Ricky has. I have had the pleasure of playing with the Rickster, but I have to say that he's uh, he's super quiet and he's he's just so in his in the zone that he's not the most fun to play with. But that's probably why he's a world champ and playing on Lee cards and on Jomez. But He's, I mean, I love watching the guy play, so can't take anything away from his game. When we put this question up, I was thinking seriously about like, who really is my favorite guy to play with? Cause there's a few of them. I've, I've been lucky enough to be in the position to, I think, play with everybody at this point, at least a couple times, a couple names come to mind to just highlight real quick. Like I love playing with Kevin Jones. The kid's so good. And he's so laid back. I love playing with double G like Garrett's the most relaxed person um i've had some incredible rounds with eric oakley and zach melton where all of us just start trash talking one another and we're like god we're on eighth card why do we suck or whatever but they're fun those guys are so laid back so down to earth ones that are fan favorites for a reason but i think my favorite guy to play with and really brings out the best in my game and i feel like i play well every time i'm with him is Macbeth, and he's the greatest of our generation he may by the time he's done be the greatest ever to throw a frisbee but he's such a cool guy he's very serious about what he does but once you get him kind of away from the cameras and the spectators and everything to me paul's a guy that would i would love to sit down and watch a baseball game with or i would love to go to a game with or something like that outside of the course and we can communicate and talk about things that aren't disc golf related while we're on the course and i think he is a little bit like me in that sense where you're going through the motions and you're playing and yes, you care and you're trying to win, but disc golf isn't everything in the world. And he will definitely get into some other topics uh, while we're playing. And it's just so laid back and it's such a cool guy. And he treats all the fans top notch. He's just a stand up guy. That's so good at throwing the disc. So it's fun to watch and he's always going to push you, but at the same time, he'll give you the high five. He'll give you the fist bump. Be like, hell yeah, dude. Like, that's awesome. So for me, playing-wise, it's always Paul. And then spectator-wise, you hit it with Eagle. Eagle's the only guy, I would say, that does things with a disc where I look at that and I'm like, oh, wow, I can't do that. Like I can't get close to doing that. I can't even think of getting close to doing that. Um, forehands and backhands. There's other people like Garrett throws a disc a mile. Drew throws a disc a mile. Seppo throws a disc so far, and no one really gives him as many props as he probably deserves for that. But I watch those guys throw and I'm like, yeah, if I really rip one, I can get in the same realm as them. But we were playing Vegas, I don't know, maybe three years ago and I'm playing with Eagle and we're on the end of a course. So it was probably the second round, maybe the fourth round. And he's throwing these shots on par fours that are 570 feet with a green in the way. 
and he's just going for every one of them. And the rest of us are all like, okay, well, we'll just throw our Firebird or our Fairway Driver out there 370 feet and then throw a little putter up shot and we'll take birdies on all these and move on, which is kind of how the Vegas courses used to play and they've adapted some since then. But it was the only situation where I was looking at these holes and looking at the shots and being like, I can't do that. Like, I can't even think of doing that. And the lines that Eagle can take and just kind of the way he approaches the game. Um, I'd always choose Paul to play with just because as a person, I think Paul and I have a lot more maybe in common than Eagle and I would. But if you're talking about just spectating someone, like if I were hurt and at a national tour event, I was just watching and not participating. I think following Eagle's card is pretty sweet because that dude does things with the Frisbee that no one else can do. I, I agree with Paul. I've, I've haven't played a complete round with Paul, but I've thrown nine to 10 holes with the guy and I've had conversations with him off course. And the guy, the guy is super nice. He's a sports guy. Uh, if he's talking business, you better be taking notes because everything that guy does is gold. And, but he's, he's just so down to earth. He'll talk to you about anything and it's a good conversation. And Eagle is a, he's a circus freak. The first time I played with Eagle, he was 15 years old and it was in Colorado. And I remember the hole was 550 feet and I was playing with Joe Revere and Eagle and Joe Revere and I are smashing destroyers as hard as we can. And Eagle throws a rock. And this is before he was this mania, but I just remember being in awe and not even knowing that was humanly possible to throw a rock 550 feet on a golf shot and then birdie the hole. It was just blew my mind. Yeah. I think the first time I played with Eagle, he was probably 16 or 17 and we were at the Memorial and it was the same thing. Like I didn't know who he was. I'd seen the name. I didn't, it didn't mean anything to me at the time and we're playing and he was still developing the accuracy and that kind of stuff, which obviously now he's got tons of, but he was super raw talent and it was maybe a year or so after you played with him and his dad was following him around and stuff and they were talking about oh how do you do this or like eagle why don't you throw this shot and him and his dad communicate a lot when they're on their course and you could kind of tell then and it wasn't it wasn't too much of a secret like this kid is going to be really 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 good and now we've entered that time where you know he could win any tournament he enters and his a game is as good as anyone's a game and sometimes a little better because of the things that he can do yeah not only does he throw the disc a mile but he can just bang putts standstills from 80 feet 60 feet he's one of those guys where you think you have a stroke on him because you're in the circle and he's outside circle too and then he just drains it um, real quickly, I want to introduce our interview. It is Jordan Castro, someone that I've played with a few times. I know our really good friends, Lewis and Andrew Nava, always host Jordan and Chris Clemens and some of the other guys when they come into Portland for the big tournaments. Jordan is a super cool kid that has really transformed himself over the last few years with a focus on fitness and taking his game to a new level. So uh, here is Jordan Castro. All right, we're here Castro, Jordan, how's it going? It's going well. Everything's good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Uh, so you're in Phoenix for the winter. Uh, yeah, that yeah. sounds that sounds wonderful. It's it's pretty epic. It's a lot of nice weather and everything. Lots of frisbee. Lots of being active and just kind of rehabbing a little calf injury that feels better now. So it's I'm looking forward to this year. Have you been able to play much with the calf injury? 
Um, it's it's getting better. I've been a little bit off and on schedule wise, but I feel almost there. So I think I'm going to start hitting it a little bit harder since it's like five six weeks away from the events. Yeah, are you uh, you starting in Vegas? Yep. Me too. You'll just stay on the road from there. I'll fly into Vegas and then I'll yeah, fly direct yeah. back afterwards, but I'll get right into it. Um, as someone that's been on the road for the last few years, the fans are a big part of what make the sport great. Do you have like a memorable story from a fan or someone you stayed with around the country that would be like the most memorable thing anyone's ever done for you? Um, it. I think it varies. Like a lot of people like ask me for my address, just like it's crazy because like they'll send me discs, they'll send me like packages, just like just random stuff. But like Montana is a huge thing. Um, our host makes us feel special and just like cooks every meal, just like not even asking us like what we want. They just surprise us and it's, get our own room and stuff. It's like royalty, so it's pretty surreal too. So there's a lot of great people out there, and there's a lot. The community's awesome. And that video just came out for that. I was I don't watch a whole lot of disc golf on youtube but i was watching some of that the other day so it was pretty cool yeah yep and that's the zootown open that's in the montana so like that's when that came out i was like all right sweet let's watch this again so it's huge it's awesome to see for sure 2020 new season you referenced it just a minute ago brings you a total new sponsor you signed with mvp why yeah. are they a good fit for you and uh like for this year and moving on forward I, I felt like there's tons of potential for me as a player and uh, as a person too. So like when I posted about like parting ways with dynamic or whatever, a lot of companies just like, Whoa, that's, that's odd. Cause like nothing, what happened or whatever. So I posted about that and everybody reached out to me and I felt like that was the decision to go with um, just because like the fan base, the, the disc and like what I got offered too, and like, I felt great about it and it's just like they care and we have the same passion and goals and everything. So it was super, super awesome that they reached out and we got everything nailed down. Cool. So uh, what about the discs? Like MVP is a company that isn't one of your traditional big three or four, but they've been growing tremendously Absolutely. over the last few years. What makes the discs so special for you? That's, that's another thing too. Just like, everybody like rags on them and just discs on them. And I feel like people shouldn't be that way. And I wanted to like say anybody can throw them too. So like I've been throwing them since almost Thanksgiving or a little bit before when I got my first couple packages and I've noticed instantly they handle power too. So, I mean, they're, they make all the similar discs that all the other companies do. It's just how they feel. And I feel like they're grippy and I can definitely get used to them and have a lot of potential with them. What's one mold that's real special? What are you putting with? Like, what's what's something that's going to be your go-to right away? Right now, it's the anode. It's it's kind of just a beadless disc or whatever, beadless putter or whatever. So, I mean, it's just kind of similar to, like, an AVR Challenger or whatever. So, it feels good in the hand. It's nice and smooth. Then uh, a Nitro, it's just similar to, like, a Destroyer or whatever. So, Enforcer. So, it's just all of it it's they all make the same day so just pretty much got to learn all of them just like the plastic the film what i want to throw sure and the overmold technology that mvp does is always something that's been interesting and i think maybe kind of the future of disc golf as we move into it because they're able to get that soft rubber exterior kind of right yeah. on the rim of the disc and you can still have whatever firmness you want on the flight plate seems like a great idea to me i know some other companies have toyed around with it but mvp seems to have it down yeah, it's super crazy. I went and visited them in Michigan this off season, and 
I saw how everything was made and everything. And like, it was the coolest thing ever. And just like, it was mind blowing to see it actually in person versus like what we see on the, on the shelves. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's really cool to see them picking up players, especially yourself still being a little younger and someone that is getting better and is starting to make a real big name for themselves. So, I mean, congratulations to you, obviously, and to MVP for kind of making that partnership happen. Yeah, I'm super stoked and happy with it for sure. Anyone that's followed your career or those of us that uh, we played with you right when you were kind of jumping up to to open, um, you transformed yourself. You took a huge commitment into fitness and health. For a disc golfer, why is fitness and taking care of your body so important? I, I think it's huge just because like we're always active. And like when you think about the throw that you have to use pretty much every bo- uh, muscle in your body too. And so like you have to pretty much train to uh, work with that. And, um, basically in the sport is growing so fast. It's just like all us pros are taking it to the next level. It's just like, we want to be considered athletes and like, we're going to do the best we can to keep up with the best. And we, we all want to be the best, obviously. So I think it's been huge for me, just like impact off the course to see the results on the course. Sure. What's a, what's a daily workout routine look like for you? Um, I think it just varies on the day. Um, usually like right now, I'm just like, I'll make breakfast then kind of go into the gym or whatever and start with some, uh, just stretching and then kind of do some, uh, some muscle strength, uh, test or whatever, see how my body feels, do some cardio. So it just varies. Then like do some resistant bands, agility, stability stuff. So, but everything was just like kind of cater on the calf and now the calf is way better than it is. And now I can move a lot better and faster and quicker. So, I think now I'm just kind of the next level and to like hit it harder on and off the course. And do you work with disc golf strong? Is that a connection that you've made? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So like, this is the first, first season that like, he's, I mean, technically I've been working with him for two, three years, but this is the off season where I'm like, we're actually focusing on like the things that I need to work on as me. Like it's like my own setup program. So that's super nice for him to set that up for me too. Sure, and it's something that we see at big tournaments, and he's there. Um, yeah, there at almost every major tournament now. You see him stretching different guys out and putting yep, yep. some of the top players through different war- warm-ups and stuff. So it seems like it's really taken off. And he'll be at all the events this year too, all the pro tours. So that's super nice. He agreed on a deal, so that's going to be huge for taking care of all the players whoever plays the event too. So sure, and I was kind of joking with Nate when we were talking a little bit ago. Nate and I are both in our young to mid thirties at this point. Yeah. Like we were talking about getting phased out of the game by the younger kids that are taking it serious with fitness and that kind of stuff. And obviously maybe we have a few years left to, to stand in there and fight with you guys. But yeah, yeah. You, I would, I would say the younger generation of disc golfers coming in as an athlete and not just as someone that throws frisbees in a park. Absolutely. And like, that's the thing I want to kind of like tell people just like, you have to work hard off the course versus just show up as like, it depends if you want to take it as a hobby versus a job too. So like if you're taking it as a job, you have to obviously train and take it as an athlete side. And I feel like that's what I'm doing. And it's only really the top 1% that get to play in the pro scene. You know, disc golf is so big at a recreational level. Um, One of the things that we want to do on the podcast is to give some tips to players on how to make those quick little improvements What's one pro tip coming from Jordan Castro that our listeners might need to know? And it's just just something that in the next month or two, they could do and improve their scores by one or two shots around. Nothing major. Just what's one pro tip from Jordan? Um, 
I think it for me, it's kind of like understanding like the mindset and just basically like focusing on the game. So pretty much just like when you go to a course, honestly, just like um, break it down. Like what shots do you throw? What shots should you throw when to attack? And just like just pretty much thinking out loud, too, because like that's a big thing that I've been doing lately this offseason when I step up into a course, just like thinking like I tell myself. I'm kind of working with a few buddies to do it here. We're on the course. You're just like, all right, I'm throwing the hyzer on the tree, try and land it 40 short and skip up and have a 15 foot putt or whatever. And like, I try to do that and it happens. I was like, all right, if I just do this more often, just kind of think about my shot compared to just stepping out of the course and be like, all right, I'm just trying to throw it that way. And hopefully it lands by the basket. Yeah. Something that playing with newer players, a lot of times I see guys come up because at the local level, I get to play with a lot more, maybe brand new pro level players than you do but i see guys that can throw every shot in the book but they don't know how to score they don't understand how to play disc golf yet and yeah i think that's that's what you're referencing and what you're touching on is like to know your strengths right to know the things that you're good absolutely and i learned that from nate too and or whatever and like traveling with chris all last year he kind of helped me with that too and now i'm just like i'm focusing on that more and i feel like i can improve my scores last year or to this year and jordan obviously you're referring to Chris Clemens, who yep, put it yep. really together at USDGC last year. And how cool yeah. is that to watch? It, it was surreal to actually like be there by his side and just watching it all happen. It was surreal too. Yeah, and awesome being to like see a good someone. friend too. Oh, and and a super cool guy. I've got to play with yeah. him a few times over the year, and I remember he was walking from 16 up to 17's tee and just in the middle of it, but still smiling and just yeah, you know absolutely. enjoying every second of it. Yeah, it's super cool. The tour's coming up. You referenced Zootown was really special to you. That's a smaller yeah. stop on something you'll be playing. What's your favorite stop on tour? What, what's one thing that you look forward to every year, and maybe why is it the case? Um, it's like, obviously, you have Zootown, you have uh, Vermont, you have like Nantucket, you have Portland. All those tournaments are sweet, but it's just like usually like it's the first tournament of the year. Just kind of get see everybody again because like we all spend off seasons all over the different places of the country too so like being at the first event showing up a few days early and seeing everybody's like super cool so i'm really excited for vegas and just kind of seeing everybody again too, kind of catch up and like see how everybody's off season went or whatever dude because like you call them and text them but it's just like it's it's just not the same like seeing there being and playing with them too when you guys spend so many hours together when you're on the road all the time Absolutely. and whether it's you're in the rv with chris or however you guys are traveling but then you're battling with everyone every week. So yeah, obviously, and I get kind of pumped. I only get to play six or seven big events a year, but Vegas is sweet and it's coming up. It's coming up quickly. Yeah. And I can't wait to get out there and see everyone too. Yeah. We just uh, found a couple of people to stay with out there and we just did some film study on that. So we're, we're ready and basically just like the season's about to start. And then what's the dream? Like we all have one tournament we'd love to win. Most people are going to say worlds or USDGC What's the most important tournament that Jordan Castro can win in 2020 or 2021? I feel like as long as like my game's right there, I feel like I could pretty much win any tournament, but like winning worlds would be awesome. Like USDGC would be awesome. Like, uh, like I would think a pro tier would be like the first thing, but like eventually move up the rankings or whatever. So like when I first started, I played juniors, then pretty much got a every tier win all the way up from there and like now i'm pro it's just like i got eight here the next thing is like a 
disc golf pro tour major and tier and worlds or whatever so it's just like i'm trying just to build up the ladder and i feel like i just put four solid rounds together i know i can compete too because like I, I played well at beaver state and played well in maine nashville so like oh i have potential and just have to get it all my game all in together and together or whatever yeah is there one course or one style of course that you feel suits your game i like uh beaver state at milo just i mean playing well there and just like you don't have to throw far you just throw accurate and just put yourself and give yourself opportunities sure and putting at milo is a big thing there's a lot of yeah. holes where you have 30 feet 30 feet on six or seven holes in a row if you're throwing the disc well and you can pick them up and yeah you can post some good scores up there yeah and like that's what i felt like this this past year i did and i made probably it was probably my best putting performance out there this year or this past year uh, is there anything else that the casual disc golf fan or the Jordan Castro fan out there should know that you have coming up for this next year? Yeah, I just got a lot of media stuff coming and a lot of um, we're working out a whole bunch of stuff with MVP. And I think it's going to be huge. Um, definitely the performance is going to get there and just pretty much got to going to work hard until it pretty much get there and not stop. So I'm really excited about everything too. So just kind of like a chip on the shoulder with everything happening and, feeling confident and motivated as ever well awesome thank you um, for spending a little bit of time with me and on the podcast and i can't wait to see you and kind of catch up in vegas a little bit for sure for sure and thank you for having me on the call or whatever it's been awesome and i uh, can't wait to see everybody again there too so i know you're a killer out there so i can't wait to see what you can do out there again Root just gonna that. And try to show up and stay under the radar and see if I can throw the disc a few times Absolutely. and have some fun. You always, you always do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thank you, and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jordan, for coming on and joining us. It's Wednesday night. Justin and I are recording right now uh, just after I interviewed uh, Jordan. So Justin hasn't actually heard it yet, so I'm not going to ask for his thoughts. He'll get to have the surprise of listening to it on Friday morning when everyone else does. But, Justin, you have anything else um, that you want to hit on before we take off for the evening? Yeah, I'd like to comment on Jordan Castro. I've played a couple rounds with this guy. And if you don't know his story, he's, uh, I think he got second or third at Am Worlds five, six years ago and completely transformed his body. His just, he's a completely new person. But just his journey is inspiring. Like he is somebody who had a passion and a goal and completely changed his lifestyle so he can meet his goals. And the guy's out there killing it on the road right now. So I'm excited to see what he does with MVP plastic. And I, I wish the guy the best of luck. And we'll see him like I talked to him about a minute ago. We'll see him. Uh, in Vegas in a few weeks, and hopefully we can catch a practice round with them or something. But definitely very glad to have him on the show. Little spoiler alert, next week we are going to have our first dual interview. We're going to have two people at the same time. They are one of uh, Disc Golf's king and queens currently, you could call it. We're going to have Jessica Weiss and Garrett Gerthy on for an interview, so definitely be ready for that. I am pumped. They are some of my favorite people out on the road. I don't know Jessica too well, but Garrett and I have played enough rounds together and been around each other enough that uh, I am super excited to have them on. That should be great content next week. 
yeah, two great people, and they got a lot of good knowledge to share. So definitely going to be good. Yeah, and trying to get a little of that FPO information out too so we can get any of our female listeners some content from the ladies as well. But on that note, uh, let's wrap it up, and we will talk to you guys next week.